Welcome to the Interlocutor with me, Anthony and Aksaguru. Today I'm joined by Mend Marawani and Hena Zamud Butt, who are two of the co-founders of the Bear Lit Festival, which is going to be taking place on the 22nd and the 23rd of April at Toynbee Studios. How are you both? Yeah, we're good, thank you. Thanks yeah. for a bit. I think we're both a bit frazzled and like a bit um, uh, overwhelmed by um, the amount of uh, excitement and noise that exists already that is already present around Bellet Festival. Yeah, no, I, mean, I was part of it last year, and it was a really, um, it was a really amazing thing to to kind of see evolve and and develop. So I'm really glad that you guys are are doing it again this year. So do you want to talk a little bit about the history of the Bellet Festival? Yeah, sure. So um, basically, what happened was. Uh, Bearlit was started by us and Sam Asmadi, who ran um, Writers of Colour on Twitter. Uh, it's also called Media Diversified, um, which is a website that promotes uh, work uh, by journalists of colour. And uh, she and I were talking kind of early on, and, and she mentioned how some of the authors that she knew, and writers and poets, didn't get invited to literature festivals. Um, so eventually, uh, she and I and Mend got together, and we thought, well, we'll just have one. Uh, and then it kind of snowballed out of control and accidentally happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think in 2016, when we were starting to organise and plan for the festival, neither of us really knew what we were getting ourselves into. Yeah. Um, it just it just happened. And then uh, a couple of months later, we had the festival and we had um, over 30 authors wow. participating. Uh, we had people like Leila, Abu Leila. We had... People like Anthony, yourself, uh, we had a whole amount of, of really incredible and remarkable writers and poets yeah. um, that we were really privileged to have. What was the feedback like from, from the audiences last year? Well, it was really unexpectedly positive. Um, I think we didn't realise how much there was a need for the festival until uh, it, it happened. And the atmosphere was just like crazy. It was so positive, so supportive. So collaborative. Um, people were so open to meeting each other and working together on stuff. It was like we were kind of redrawing um, the literary landscape mm. to fit the people that were at the festival. Um, and so, like, yeah, I was so excited by it. And inspired you, went, by it. you got international coverage. Yeah, I remember, isn't it? Like, was it New York Times picked it up? And... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, New York Times. Yeah, we still we still uh, hold that up as our yeah. token of international success. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Why not? Um, at what what kind of thing that I'm I'm interested in is kind of work is finding out what kind of topics you guys it's very uh, well curated in my opinion like you've got some really fascinating things um, this year I think some of the, the the panel discussions are even more essential um, what kind of things can people expect to come and listen to this year mm-hmm. um, we've got we've got really exciting panels I think one of the important things to us was to make sure that the festival doesn't surround the topics don't surra- um, aren't surrounding diversity or any of these discussions, but we actually wanted to make sure that we we go beyond that. Finally, this year, and we've got some really exciting panels, like one on new print cultures, which will include um, new magazines, print magazines coming up in London, like Galdem, Skin Deep, um, Um, etc. We've got a food panel where people will be discussing their the method of writing a, a food a cookbook and the, the kinds of stories that they encountered as they were writing the cookbooks and we've got um, one on community histories and music etc I mean I think there's some really exciting stuff happening yeah and I think what's cool is 
I mean, last year we did take the opportunity to address some of those discussions around decolonizing and diversity and liberation in literature. Um, and it's good that we've already had that because it is an elephant in the room. And, and But what is nice about Berlin is every year we try and move the conversation along a bit. Um, mm. And so this year, what we've focused on is, I think, a good combination of talking about the medium um, and the method, um, as well as the content itself. And like, we've also got a nice combination, I would think, of, of talking about um, like difficult issues as well as kind of, so difficult issues like we have a panel called Hope, Hope in Times of Hopelessness, which mm. really gets into the politics of today with, with Brexit and the rise of, of the, the right wing. Um, and then we have one, which is about uh, writing about trauma in your life. Mm. Um, uh, so we, we haven't really shied away from difficult topics, but we combine that with kind of celebrations as well. So mm. we have one which is erotica, which hopefully should be a little bit more fun. Um, yeah, and I mean, just just if you look at our schedule, I think what's also, what's also great is that we've got some more niche topics like... Um, uh, science writing right. um, we've got a number of writers and journalists as well so that's kind of new in a way because we've included we've included not only uh, authors who are part of the kind of more conventional literary landscape but also journalists and um, people and, and spoken word artists that are trying to do more interesting more mm. experimental stuff yeah. so they're not necessarily just spoken word artists but they're people who are trying to work with playwrights and uh, and screenwriting as well so the idea is to really just include as many mediums as possible because the the reality is that um whenever whenever writers of color or whenever some whenever marginalized groups that are mar uh, marginalized groups are marginalized they kind of they go beyond the shore and kind of explore mediums not only topics but also mediums that aren't necessarily part of conventional landscapes yeah. so they might experiment with visual um, mediums they might experiment with sound they might experiment with all kinds of things that i think are really important to them and we wanted to make sure to honor that and to include it because it is integral and important to what these writers are doing at the absolutely, moment absolutely um what about the history of festivals like this is this the first one i remember last year that you know there was quite a few people who said that this has happened before um, um, in the 70s and the 80s where like marginalized groups uh, different communities have come together to showcase the various artistic uh, mediums that they work in is there any other kind kind of um, festivals that you guys take influence from uh, i think bradford is an amazing literature festival um another one is the the one by run by Peter Carlu in, in Manchester. In Manchester, great yeah. one as well. Yeah. Uh, and they're definitely forebears to what we do. Um, mm -hmm. I would never kind of claim to say that we exist in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. There's a whole ecosystem that has existed for a long time and that we're, we're collaborating with and working with. Um, for example, there's the Jullock Prize. Uh, there's the anthology The Good Immigrant that Nikesh put out. There's BAME in publishing, who one of the founders of that is going to be at the festival. We're all working together mm. to, to do this. Um, I mean, not just that, but like even if you think about um, when Claudia, um, Claudia Jones, uh, right, the, the, the founder of the Notting Hill Carnival, um, founded uh, a newspaper. I mean, right, that was like one of the first kind of attempts, not only attempts, but like it was one of the first successful attempts to actually work with um, uh, Caribbean and South Asian women writers in the UK and so really think of this as, as a contribution think of this as a contribution to already present and existing um, um, 
work and 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 performances and and as well as um mediums you know why has this taken such a long time um to happen why and, and why are they so few and far between the festivals that are similar to this what what is it that you feel that the literati the the, the literature industry are missing out on why don't they showcase more work that is specifically geared around the experiences and sensibilities of people of color i think one of the the most kind of frustrating experiences is that they do include some people um but they're always going to them for the same kind of input which is their input as a person of color mm. um and that is just boring for the writers like they want to talk about you know fantasy or whatever it is that they write about and they have to go and talk about a lack of representation it's a lack mm. that they're yeah. asked to speak about and and that's just not slightly tokenistic as well if you, when you actually exactly see it in that yeah. way but also like if you think about it um if you look at the numbers um they're showing that even though even when numbers go up um they dip instantly after right and that's because a lot of these initiatives and um they're not organized and managed by people when you say color. numbers what what do you mean numbers so in terms of representation right, okay. uh, people of color writers of color yeah. appearing in festivals and any kind of uh, literary initiatives in the UK um i think the problem is that they're not they're not organized and um managed by they're not run by people of color and that kind of makes them very volatile it makes them very um it makes them very prone to um to outside it it kind of like makes them not very consistent right like uh, it means that those who run them they might at some when whenever these topics are on their mind they whenever whenever people of writers of color um are on their mind and they want to include them they'll do that but then the next year they may not do so anymore just mm. because they will have forgotten about it right they they feel like they've ticked all the boxes all the necessary boxes and that's it that's mm. the job done and and as as sad as what it is a lot of the time these organizations and and festivals are essentially just trying to get money for funding and if yeah. you have to get money for funding which means you have to include BAME communities then you're not really doing it for the fact that you want to celebrate the literary merit that comes from those communities mm -hmm. is, as we were saying, a lot more of a tokenistic gesture, which I think is very problematic. So having events like this is really a lot more wholesome uh, and organic in the sense of what it's trying to do and the way in which it tries to do it. You've just had an anthology out, or it's coming out uh, in a few weeks as well, the Barely Anthology. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Yeah, so the anthology will actually be coming out on the same day as the launch of our right. festival. So the 21st, um, when we're having our launch party for Berlet Festival, we will also be having the launch for the Berlet Anthology, which was edited by Kavita Bernat, Courtney Newland and myself, and with, with Brain, in, Brain Mill Press in the US. And we've included both writers who participated last year, so Hibak Osman, uh, Raymond Antrobus, um, many, many people who participated last year, last year Selina Nwulu, as well as writers who um, we've reached out to directly. And what came out of this was this really incredible, um, brilliant work containing poetry, short stories, some really very intricately, intricately written work that, um, that is at times trying to be very experimental in new forms and new ways and is trying to address um, all kinds of issues, not only race and gender, but also um, sometimes more mundane encounters. And I think that's what makes it so beautiful. Like it actually, it, it feels very organic and yeah. it feels like it came out of um, a kind of desire to 
um, to to speak about whatever was on the the writer's mind. Mm. And the need, I guess, the need to be able to articulate these experiences in a way that feels <coughs> that they live alongside other experiences and sentiments of the same thing right now is equally important. I, I, I interviewed Nikesh um, a few months back and we, we spoke about this idea of can we break away from having our race or our, the colour of our skin or whatever it might be being at the forefront of our identity, can we just write stories as Mend and Henna or do we have to constantly keep categorising ourselves as being people of colour or as being uh, marginalised groups or whatever it might be? Do you see a future where that's possible? I don't know whether it's us that's doing the categorising. Hmm. It's just that, so when you're writing a story, you have to you have to at some point mention your race. It comes up, it defines the experience your reader can't see you so you have to say it and I don't know whether we're ever going to get to a point where we're not going to have to communicate that to the reader and then you know it's if it's a reader of color then they're less likely to to kind of categorize you as different from them mm. but if, if it's someone who's different from from the writer then they're going to do it mm. I mean there's there's really interesting uh, literature that I've read over the last few years that and and plays as well that I've watched and when I spoke to the playwright and I spoke about the racial identity of one of the characters, they actually mentioned that they wrote the character with no race in mind, mm -hmm. and afterwards, the, the dramaturg, or whoever it might be, would then have to try and find a race, and that created a lot of uh, contention between the two people, because if you're just trying to write a character that is free of race, and there is nothing within the, the dialogue or within the text that says their race is important to what happens to them, mm -hmm. then essentially you're trying to create a race out of nothing, out of just someone, a human being having a very ordinary experience, such as falling in love or going to the shops to buy some milk or something along those lines. Um, so I think it is happening, but it's interesting the fact that we constantly keep having to racialize each other uh, for the sake of comprehension. I mean, I think ideally uh, writers should be free to choose whenever they want to include their race in their writing or not, when, whenever they want to mention the the race of their protagonist or not. Um, I think right now um, it's still something that isn't much um, up for discussion, right? It's just, you just have to do it. It's part of, it's part of your repertoire, part of your writing, writing repertoire and what, what you think needs to go into it, right? Mm. Um, so hopefully like in the future, writers will, more, will be able to, to choose. They'll have free choice over that and decide, okay, is this something that I actually want to reveal to the the, the reader or not and I think sometimes also like when when we don't include a race or when we include the race only tentatively then um, that can also create some issues with um, what what happens after a play let's say a play is written or um, what happens after a piece of text any kind of piece of text is written and gets translated into let's say um, TV or something I mean I remember when um, when Hunger Games was written, right, and then um, the, one of the one of the characters, the small girl, um, appeared on TV, and she was black. Um, a lot of the white audiences were really they they were really um, they they weren't just like surprised, but they were actually disgusted mm. and revolted by by that. They said, you know, things like, "Oh, now this is their film, etc." You know, and I think um, part of it's part of that problem or part of that confusion was because um, the author hadn't quite made it as clear as they could have done. Um, because they were hoping that maybe 
that would um, that would join as many people as possible, and that they could, in some ways, liberate their character. Yeah. But in you know, in effect, the character wasn't so much liberated anymore, yeah. right? Once yeah. the once the, the related to that, I would say it's also in that in that case, it was like a side character, not not a protagonist that mm-hmm. that was not racialized. But most of the time, the publishers kind of want you to bring that out, mm. um, and it's kind of closely tied to marketing. So if, if you want to market literature, especially the big publishers, it doesn't, we work with a lot of smaller publishers run by people of colour and it's not less of an issue for them. But for the bigger publishers, they really want to make a big song and dance out of the fact that they have mm. someone who's a writer of colour writing something. Yeah. And so it becomes a part of the message, a part of the cover, a part of the entire marketing process. And so when you take race out of it, it becomes less interesting for yeah. them as a prospect. Mm. Um, if you, I remember reading, if you take out, if you take all of the books published by the major publishers uh, and then count the writers of colour and then take away the cookbooks, what you're left with is basically nothing. Hmm. Yeah, and then even if you look at the covers, I mean, you just mentioned the covers, right? Like, uh, um, even to this day, you'll find things like um, writers of Middle Eastern backgrounds, um, the, the, the artwork for their cover will be some kind of um, arch or some kind of, like, mosque or something. A you know? trope, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think, yeah. And I think that's part of the problem is that to try and break away from stereotypes, to try and... And again, it's not really for writers of colour. It's for the imagination of white people. And it has to try and somehow pander um, to what it is that they perceive to be Middle Eastern writing, Asian writing, African writing, whatever it might be. So I think, yeah, that's kind of an ongoing discussion that's being had. There was quite a lot of... um, backlash if i remember last year from certain groups of people who were saying that because this is marketed as a festival for exclusively for writers of color that it was in a sense reverse racism and exclusionary what do you have to say to people who who claim such things let them claim such things (laughs) i have no time for them Uh, yeah, I guess we've definitely we definitely get a lot of people saying that you know if if you believe in equality, then you know you should be open to every single person out there who wants to be at your festival. And you know I will reiterate that this is a festival for anyone to attend and enjoy. Like we want people Absolutely. from all, all over to come and enjoy and explore the writers that we have there. But I mean, if you're talking about exclusion then look at all these other literature festivals that are completely excluding people who are from minority backgrounds Mm. and then think again about what you're saying to us and i guess their argument would be that they don't explicitly say that it's a festival for (laughs) white people um which is why you know but then it goes back to the notion of safe space and and creating a place where people can gather and talk about their experiences as marginalised people. I think that's really important to remember that these are underrepresented groups who, in a sense, have created a, an autonomy that allows them to create this kind of space. Um, Mend, what do you think about these things? Preposterous things. <laughs> I mean, I mean, as I said, like I think if people want to assume that, um, if people think that this is a, um, this is our intention, then um, they're completely misguided. Um, they, they they seem to misunderstand our intentions here. Um, what you just mentioned in terms of having a safe space, I think that in some ways explains or describes circumscribes what we're trying to do. And that is, um, I mean, last year after the festival, we've had an enormous amount of people coming up to us and saying, "Well, this was so beautiful. Like this was really great. Um, it felt like um, it felt like um, some attempt for a more utopian world where people could actually discuss." Uh, all kinds of topics they want they were interested in 
and stepping out of that felt like they were stepping back into the more kind of uh, gritty reality. Um, and so if you take that, then I think, um, then I think it would some way, in some ways explain what, what we want to do, and that mm. is create a beautiful experience for anyone really, um, and also make sure that people know what our values are, what the values of the festival um, are, and that is that we, we don't accept any form of, of racism and that we will be discussing, we, th this space is open to discuss any of these topics that people uh, want to explore and that people want to address, be it within the panels or outside of the panels. Yeah, what's special, I think, is that we don't have to start the conversation from the beginning because we all the writers share the experience of being people of colour. And so, like we were talking about other literature festivals before where you might only have a few people of colour, you have to you have to take everyone on that journey from the very start, whereas at, at Bare Lit, because we share that, we can, we can start further and get further along as well in yeah. the conversation. And, and is there a lot of, as the panels evolve and as they develop do you see them being places where revelations are had and people who come to these panels who might have not had a particular perception or insight beforehand leave feeling slightly more enlightened slightly more edified than what they were before I mean I'd hope so um, I know my parents were really interested in coming this year um, and you know I think for my parents generation um, it might have been a really interesting experience to explore that space and be surrounded by people who aren't afraid, who aren't afraid of shying away from these topics. And um, in the end, I'm not actually sure if they are coming or not, <laughs> uh, depending on ticket prices, but I mean, um, flight tickets. But um, I think, I think really this is, this festival would be great for anyone really who feels like either they're starting to explore these topics or um, they're even like further down the line and have already like surpassed some of these issues and want to explore other topics, right? Um, things around cooking or um, erotica literature, etc. So really, um, we just urge anyone to come in the most welcoming way and hope that they can, um, they can sort of topographically explore that mm. terrain. And take something from and it. And take something from yeah. it, yeah. And what's cool, I think, is that you don't... I think often when you have initiatives like this, um, they may in involve people from specific communities, like it might be the Caribbean community or it might be the Pakistani community. But here we're bringing together people from, who have kind of very, very vastly different experiences within within being people of colour. And so we're creating these kind of cross-cutting ties, which is making really adventurous and interesting things happen with their work. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because th th there is a lot of overlapping. And like you say, the, the, the experiences of people from Asia might differ from people from Africa and people... Yeah. And also as the diasporic community, that adds an extra element um, to kind of unpack as well. So, yeah, what were you going to say, Mind? No, I was just going to say, I mean, um, I, I haven't seen any panels in the UK where you've got... Um, like over the past year or so literature festivals especially where you've got people from you know five people um, from five or six seven eight more uh, different backgrounds you know and they'll be talking about whatever they want to talk about and I think that's that's really great in a way that not not to say that like we're all human or anything that's not what we're trying to do in fact like our aim is more to to say okay look um, each one of you has their own very specific and individual experience and um, there may be overlaps, but there may also not be any overlaps at all. But come here and explore them. Yeah. And what I would add is actually to your point about diaspora, I think that's a really important thing that we bring is that 
there's kind of whilst there's space for the mundane and the kind of domestic within the work that we talk about there is this element of kind of uh internationalness to the, the literature that we talk about we talk about places that are far away in our perception how they might be because we've never been to the place where our parents are from um and so that brings kind of an expansiveness to the literature i think of the writers even if it is just about the most mundane things yeah Let's talk a little bit about the funding, um, and and you guys crowdsurfed a lot of the, um, the the money, the budget for for this year. How did you find that? How was that? Was it a difficult endeavour, or was it easier than you anticipated? Mm, I mean, let's just start by saying that we are Arts Council oh, <laughs> England yes, we, we funded. Got a yeah, mm. we got a well grant. done, congratulations. A, a small you. grant from yeah. the Arts Council. Uh, uh, well, I mean, a small proportion of the funding is from the Arts Council, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and then we we crowdfunded successfully last year to to fund the festival, and we've been selling tickets again through crowdfunding this year. Um, I think with as with any event, a lot of people leave ticket buying to the last minute, which can be a bit nerve wracking. Yeah, um, but we're doing okay so far. Mm-hmm. And there's been a there's been a good uh, there's been a good appetite. You see it being as popular as what it was last year. I think incrementally, yeah. Mm. Like as we're approaching the the festival, more and more people are starting to buy tickets and be interested. Also, I think um, we're really hoping that the writers, the participating participating writers, will uh, promote their events. Yeah. Um, to get their own audiences on board and make sure that Bell at Seventeen can actually be as great or even better than mm. last year's festival. Have you got any plans to take it? to kind of more like a, 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 a national scale so maybe to do barely up and down the country in, in different places or is that <laughs> we're both looking at each other in like yeah. shock and horror yeah. um, I, I think it would be nice to grow it but again it's something that's going to happen I think over time because mm. at the moment so the, the team is myself and Mend and then we have <laughs> um, Sabina our festival assistant and we have Samira who is uh, our publicity assistant so it's, again it's still a very small team so as we we try and get bigger I think mm-hmm. we're going to need to bring more people on board and yeah I mean there's no limits to, to where mm-hmm. people will take it but also like I think Hannah and I have been talking a lot about uh, what we'd like to do in the future and one of these things include um, including other other aspects uh, so that could be that could mean that we might branch out and become a more cultural festival rather than just a literary festival. But again, you know, we haven't. First, first, we need to uh, do Bell at seventeen before mm. we can actually get anything else started. I think. Yeah. Who have you actually got on the lineup for this year? Do you have that at hand, just mm-hmm. so people can get familiar with some of the heavyweights who are coming? So we have a session actually run by the the Jalik Prize, mm-hmm. which is. Um, a book award for writers of colour um, that started this year for the first time um, by Sunny Singh and Nikesh Shukla. Mm-hmm. And so... Who was, the, who was the winner of that? It was Jacob Ross right. um, for The Bone Readers. Um, and it, actually, the, the, they had such a strong shortlist. Like, everything on there was great. And I remember talking to Sunny about the judging and they were yeah. just like, I don't know how I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah, I saw, I saw Gary Young, David Olusogo and a few yeah, of those other guys. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's a powerful shortlist. And it, yeah. and it wasn't just, like, one genre. It was completely yeah. across the board as well. It just yeah. shows you the, the strength of talent there is, in like, in non-fiction and fiction. So Sunny's going to be there with Yvette Edwards and Catherine Johnson... Um, talking about the process of judging a book prize, which I think is going to be something really distinct because I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about how they go about that process, about mm. how they judge, about how they weigh up, you know, the value of winning the prize for the writer as mm. well as the value of the literature itself. 
So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that, yeah that definitely. Been, I think that's something that a lot of people are interested in. You know, mm. what, what, how do you discern a winning novel, or how do you judge something on the merits of, yeah. of its, uh, its sophistication? Especially how, when you're not comparing like for like. Yeah. Like, how do you compare nonfiction with fiction as yeah. well? Yeah. Yeah, and no, I think another another really interesting panel will be on the art of editing. Um, so we wanted to look at. Uh, the, the various aspects involved in editing. How do editors go about editing a piece of writing? Mm. Um, what are the things they'll be, they'll be looking for in a text? Um, and what is, their, what is the kind of relationship they ultimately develop to the writer? So we've got uh, Margaret Busby, who is the UK's first black publisher um, with um, Alison. Yeah, I think it was Busby and Alison. Mm. And we've got Bibi Bakari Youssef from Cassava Press, as well as Sabrina Mahfouz, mm. who just published an anthology with Saki books. Yep. Um, so I think this is also one of the more kind of technical yeah. um, and really useful, very practical um, uh, panels that we've got. I think another, um, just as a kind of a side note, one thing that I've realised a lot of people, and maybe it's something that I'll do on the podcast later on, but a lot of people are interested in how you apply for funding for these kind of things. So to have a discussion where maybe if you bring representatives from the Arts Council or something like that, um, that's something that isn't discussed a lot within the arts, yet all the disciplines rely on funding in some way or another. So something like that, I think, would definitely be, be mm. of interest to people. Yeah, because I think one issue that we try to... So this year, actually, I should mention, when we were programming the festival, we made a conscious decision not to include anyone who was in the festival last year. Mm. So we won't have the same people in consecutive years. Now, the reason for that is because... There's a couple of reasons. We have to mention that other literature festivals, often they'll go to the same people of colour again and again, um, and so only they get exposure and other writers of colour don't get a chance to speak up. So hopefully we see this as a platform. You know, if you have barely under your belt, maybe you'll get invited somewhere else. Mm. And then the other thing is that we, like you say, a lot of people don't have information because there's almost like a closed clique I've found of people who are kind of in the know about these opportunities and funding and <coughs> stuff and, and everyone else. And so we need to really open that up. And I think that's a, another reason why the festival exists is to, to open that space up and make it accessible to new writers. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we do have a really incredible amount of writers who are both established and then we've got people who, are, who aren't established at all, mm. who aren't so known in, in London especially. So we try to branch out to people who are situated perhaps in Manchester, the north of the, of the UK, yeah. um, the west, etc., so that was really important to us, and I think, and this is also, by the way, like how we worked with the with the publisher Brain Mill Press um, to include writers in the anthology. We wanted to make sure that we don't just use the same token writers, mm. but that we were able to draw on a whole, a really vast pool of writers who are all over the place yeah. and who have done really amazing work, and we wanted to honour that. Mm. It's not as poetry heavy this year. <laughs> that that's one thing that I noticed last yeah. year. It was definitely a lot more. Uh, poets involved um, whereas this year it feels like you've got more kind of editors and novelists and people and just thinkers you've got quite a few thinkers people who are known for their opinions and for their philosophies on on race and identity yeah. which is really interesting to see where can people get tickets from um, so they're available on Indiegogo um, if you just search Indiegogo 
Berlitt 2017, you'll be able to find them on there. And we have rates for um, concessions as well. So if you're a student or you're unwaged, then we have um, a reduced price there. Um, also, you can find tickets on berlitfestival.com, um, the link and the information for the schedule is all there too. Amazing, amazing. Well, guys, thank you very much indeed for your time today. And I really hope the festival goes well. And I'll be along in two weeks' time to see it all happen myself. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much.